to get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, she dreamed of inventing a machine that would change medicine. Was she more concerned about the health of her company than her patients? We'll talk about the Hulu television adaptation of the Elizabeth Holmes podcast, The Dropout. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. (laughs) Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the best-selling Dead on Deadline, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, filling in for the vacationing Toby Ball is our special guest, one of my favorite people, the host of the HBO Docs Club podcast, Ronald Young Jr. Hello, Ronald. Hello, hello. It is good to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. I, I like if I could say if I could add another crime writers panelist to the show, you would probably be the person I would add. I am not kidding. You just have to write some crime. I, I, yeah, unfortunately, I don't. Toby's never written any crime. Not true crime. No. Not even any fiction. There's no crimes in his books. They're just well, noir. Sure there. yeah, well, that's, you know. yeah, there's some crime in so there. So we're gonna Is get... he a criminal? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean He's been on jury that... duty twice. <laughs> yeah. Five, like four yeah. times or something like that. The log <laughs> theft. What was it? Lumber theft? Uh, the the timber taking. Timber taking, yes. <laughs> mm, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a ton to do in the show, uh, and we're going to have plenty of time to hear Ronald's takes on everything. But Kevin, before we get to that, what is coming up on the next podcast episode that we are going to be dropping in this feed? Yeah, well, next Monday, we're going to be talking about the Peacock show, Joe versus Carol. Okay. That's very exciting. Yes. All right. But before we get to our review of The Dropout, we have one of the biggest true crime podcast and true crime updates we've had in a very long time. Should I, should I do the thing? Kevin, I think you need to introduce it like you okay. often do. All right, ready? <clears throat> yes. True, true crime, crime update. update. Wow. Anyone else want to try that so I can add some echo to you as well? No? <laughs> no, don't. I, I, I am intimidated. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I know that by you know the time this show drops, this news will be everywhere, but I just want to check in. Uh, Ronald, have you heard this big news about Adnan Syed as of this taping? You know, it's funny because I literally just read it on the Crime Writers on Twitter. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, so this won't be super new to you. Um, yeah. So here's what's going on. Rabia Chaudhry, who, of course, is Adnan Syed's good friend who's been championing for him for more than two decades and who brought the Adnan Syed case to Sarah Koenig for the podcast serial, of course, that turned into the podcast serial. She announced today that there are some huge developments in his case, and I'm going to just summarize them quickly. One is that she had hired a lawyer for him a while back, uh, Erica Suter, who is a well-known appellate attorney in Baltimore, who was already interested in Anand's case, but during working on the case also had been appointed the executive director of the UB Innocence Project. 
good position to be in. So Anand Syed has now been being represented by the Innocence Project now for a while, which was something we did not know. Yeah, truly we didn't know that. Truly we did not know that. Second, the other thing that has happened that is huge is that a petition has been filed to test DNA in Heyman Lee's murder case, DNA from her clothing, DNA evidence from hairs found around her body, and DNA from other evidence in her case, I'm assuming evidence taken. Stuff that was actually never tested previously. Never tested. Right, I'm assuming evidence taken during, you know, an autopsy or a rape Mm -hmm. kit or something. We don't know. Never, ever tested for DNA. The huge thing here is that the state has joined this petition, which means Mm. that Adnan Syed, in his fight for exoneration, is no longer fighting against the state of Maryland. They believe his case deserves a second look. They believe he might be innocent. They believe the DNA should be tested, and it's appropriate uh, that he might have an actual claim of innocence. Amazing. Laura Bricker, thoughts? Uh, about time like this is fucking awesome um i mean seriously like i can't believe that they didn't test it before but also the fact that it is going to be tested now you know that just to me gives me this um i don't want to say hope but but it is hope that what are they going to find on there science is so far along compared to when Heyman lee was killed and i think that this is something that could be like concrete information that could produce new information that could show more clearly what actually happened in this case. Yeah. They so, could find the killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was like, this is amazing. Good job, Rabia and everybody else that has been advocating for him. But like I, now it's like Christmas. I can't wait to find out what happens. What about you, Ronald? What were your thoughts when you read this news on the crime writers on Twitter account? Well, I, I, you know, I'm like, and even listening to you talk about it, I still feel, I feel very puzzled because I, I'm wondering the, after he had the post-trial conviction relief that was like overturned and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, then he lost whatever uh, would happen with that. I, I thought it was over. So with this coming, with this new petition coming, it just, it makes me wonder, um, you know, what are his chances of actually getting out? Because I mean, this is a guy who keeps getting hope after hope after hope, uh, which is good for him, but it just, I'm just very curious to see. I'm very interested to see how this plays out. And another thing is, me and Adnan Saeed are around the same age. Yeah. And I think that's when they talk about him coming out of high school in that 99, 2000, 2001 era, I graduated in 02. So everything they're talking about on that podcast, when I listen to it, I'm like, I can't imagine what it would be like if I, in 2002, I was snatched into prison and then released in 2023, 2024, anything like that after uh, Obama, Trump, uh, yeah. How many wars? Now Russia's invading Ukraine. Uh, the uh, the the iPhones. pandemic. All of the iPhones. <laughs> yeah. iPods. I mean, he was in prison stuff, for nine eleven. Yeah, nine eleven. Yes, you're he, right. He went to prison. Like, you could like walk into an airport and just get on the plane. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, he, it, it's a crucial time. So I'm like, and, and to come out and be 40, yeah. 41, 42, It's just. I mean, I. That that that'll mess with your head a little bit. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out for his sake. So Kevin, there are two factors here. Yeah, one is that Maryland passed that uh, juvenile justice relief bill law that basically um, made it so that juveniles who were convicted of life in prison could have their cases relooked at for resentencing. Right. Right. And Anand Syed 
mistakenly was cast as an 18-year-old when he was tried, but he was actually 17 when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. So that is why, you know, they were able to get his case looked at again. But there's something else going on here. What's that? So the state has now changed their mind. Marilyn Mosby, by the way, very publicly was pro Adnan Syed's not conviction not being overturned previously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now she has signed into this petition very strongly saying, by the way, if his DNA is not found, that is exculpatory evidence. That's a that's a interesting it's a strong way to say statement. Yeah. It's saying if his DNA is not found, he's probably innocent, is what she's saying. You know, yeah. you know what else has been going on with Marilyn Mosby, though? What? Marilyn Mosby is facing perjury uh, charges and lots of charges for false mortgage applications. She has been <clears throat> facing her own legal issues and she could use a PR win right now. She could. Yeah. So this also was going on in the background. Because I'm thinking, like, why would she suddenly like she's the state's attorney? Like, why would she suddenly like reverse course here after fighting this? And I'm like. Oh, there's a lot going on here in the background that's been really helpful for a non-sayed in this case, the, the law plus that. So what are your thoughts, Kevin? Well, he's got a couple of good avenues that he could go to, even though that his, his original appeals have kind of ended. There might be some other appeals. Uh, the resentencing certainly looked like that was something that would apply to him, where because he was uh, sentenced to life as a juvenile, U.S. Supreme Court said that can't happen. So there, uh, she, he certainly would have been a candidate to be resentenced. And I think that that work was probably underway. This is better, though. I mean, I think that you would much rather walk out of prison exonerated yes. as opposed to saying, well, they just changed my sentence and now it's essentially time served because you walk out still as a, as a convicted felon, yeah. right? So to be able to sort of walk out and say, to be you know the most famous exoneree in the country, I think would be great. It would be great. All right, well, I guess we're all going to be watching this very closely, and uh, we'll have more updates to come. It's, it's pretty astonishing, I think, what happened uh, today as we're taping this, and I can't wait to kind of see how it plays out. All right, well, I think we should get to our first review because we've got a lot to talk about there, too. What do you think, Kevin? Should we do that? Let's do that. All right, let's go ahead and drop that first clip. The world works in certain ways until a new great idea comes along and changes everything. What if you could test your blood in your own home? And what if it wasn't a whole vial, but just a drop? High Achiever Elizabeth Holmes went to college with a vague dream to invent something that would change the face of medicine. Her concept evolved into a system that would diagnose illness with a single drop of blood. She dropped out of school to start a company, even though the experts told her the science behind her idea wouldn't work. If you want this, you have to dedicate yourself. What are you willing to do to get it? I can't give them one reason to doubt me. It's not even close to working yet. What are we going to show at the demo? We're going to tell them that we don't have a working prototype. Right? Encouraged by her mentor and lover, Sunny Bolwani, she created Theranos. While her researchers struggled to make the technology work, Holmes excelled at raising money by overplaying the efficacy of her unproved invention. This is the kind of tech we want our name on. Why are they not actively seeking FDA approval? Our technology is extremely valuable. I don't think you're acting like a company that's financially solvent. You don't think this is suspicious? You don't understand the business. And you don't understand the science! 
The eight-episode Hulu drama The Dropout, based on the ABC News podcast of the same name, stars Amanda Seyfried. She plays Elizabeth Holmes as an awkward yet driven idealist, so blinded by her vision she'd do anything, even faking results, lying to investors, and mistreating her workers. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the first four episodes of The Dropout. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Ronald, one of the big stories here is Amanda Seyfried's portrayal of Elizabeth Holmes because she wasn't the first person cast in this role. And I'm curious to know what you think of her casting and what you think of how she is doing playing Elizabeth Holmes in this role. So, of course, in preparation for this and the Joe and Carol episode, I watched a lot of Joe and Carol. So uh, I saw that Kate McKinnon plays Carol Baskin. And in watching this episode, of course, I always Wikipedia and do my research. And I see that actually the first uh, person chosen for the role of Elizabeth Holmes was Kate McKinnon. Wow. And yeah. I was I was shocked. I was like, OK, I mean, I, I guess they're doing an eyes thing. There's obviously an eyes connection uh, going on. here. <laughs> but Amanda Seyfried blows this role out of the water. This is this is for me. This is a career making role for her. After this, we should see her in like critically acclaimed things after this. If we like if you could get an Oscar for a television show, she should be the first one to at least be nominated because there's stuff you she's can. Doing it's called here. an Emmy. <laughs> 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 are you well, saying great. are you saying that Mamma Mia was not an Oscar worthy film? Is that what you're saying? I think her best role before this was Mean Girls, in my opinion. Oh, a hundred percent. Her best role before this is Mean Girls. No, I but, totally agree. Yeah, the range that she's showing here is is it's incredible. Like you, there's times when I'm watching this, I'm like, I think she really is Elizabeth Holmes because I'm like, and I haven't seen uh, someone play a role like this. I want to say since like Jamie Foxx played Ray, and you close your eyes, and you're like, is this? Is this Ray Charles? Like, what? Is, like, what's happening here? So I can't say enough about her performance in the role. Yeah, but Kevin, it doesn't feel like an impression, though, right? And that's what's so great uh, about it. Yeah, no, I mean, it can become caricature when you've got someone that has, like, this distinctive voice. And actually, you know, the voice uh, is an important part of her character and her legend, let's say. Why don't we, uh, why don't we sign some NDAs? We'll have some snacks. You know, she right. She doesn't make it like a caricature. She does capture that, you know, wide-eyed, naive defiance in the face of facts. Like, you know, someone will tell her, yeah, you know, you can't put in a patch a whole bunch of, you know, the medicines to do this and the thing to do that. And, you know, it's like science. And, uh, you know, she just kind of with her eyes in your head shaking like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. And it's kind of like spectrum adjacent behavior like it could come off as a bad impression yes. but it really it doesn't and i think that you know like when some people do impressions like if the if the, the 10 people that do the best donald trump impressions eight of them sound the same but then there are a couple that sort of you know lock into different aspects of that yes and i feel like she has locked into the better aspects of what that person in real life how that person could be played so, Laura, we had to follow and Amanda Seyfried had to play Elizabeth Holmes in high school, Elizabeth mm -hmm. Holmes as a young college student, and then Elizabeth Holmes, the executive that convinced all these old white men to join her board and grifted Walgreens executives into signing this deal. So she had to play this whole range of people 
you know, through this transformation and we actually see her do the transformation in episode mm-hmm. three in that like one super iconic scene. What do you what do you think of her range here, her ability to, to like play super young and then her ability to play? I mean, Elizabeth, you know, Holmes is not old, but, you know, yeah. she sure, certainly tries to be a little bit more uh, mature as she transforms into the executive that she is want, she's wanting to be. Yeah. And I've seen some criticism out there of people who felt like, oh, my gosh, she's too old to be playing this this teenage role. But I really felt like she really captured that sort of awkward teenage girl part of this character in the way that she's dancing to, by the way, who sings that song she was dancing to? I'm in a hurry to get things done. Does anyone know? No, I know it's Sawyer Brown and they sang it because it was a Mac McAnally song. This is my parrot head knowledge. Here. <laughs> oh, okay. but, no. So I think, you know, we have these scenes where she's like got her little headphones on and she's dancing to music and she's in her, you know, teenage bedroom looking at the poster of Steve Jobs. And, and then we also see like an earlier scene what wasn't her, but again, with this character where we really sort of like the setup for this sort of awkward um, not really feeling comfortable socially character when she's like running and she's got that weird running style and her brother's like, what is she? What running? was that? Like, what is wrong with her? Is she like a club foot? I don't know what's going on. But, like, <laughs> it's got to be a true fact. It's got to be yeah. true, right? Uh, so, but I feel her like poor parents. I, I did buy into her in that teenage role and you know, and I think, you know, then you also, to me, I, I then bought into the next step, which was she's off in, was it Beijing? Yeah, she yes. Yes. where she meets Sunny. You know, this evolution and, you know, even when she's first starting the company and she's wearing clothes that are just not something that you think somebody should be wearing that's the head of a company. You don't like what I'm wearing? You should just dress more like a CEO. Uh, when I was with Mark Zuckerberg at the photo shoot for Inc., he was wearing soccer sandals, flip-flops. Yes, but you are a woman. If you wore soccer sandals to work, everyone would think that you're having a mental breakdown. Yeah, I just don't want to waste my time picking out what I'm going to wear. And then, you know, there's that scene that made me, I like wanted to reach through the screen and fix her her darn tank top, that scene where like, she, you know, yeah. she throws coffee yeah. on herself yeah. and her new yeah. Prius. And then like the strap keeps coming out and she just like, fuck it. And she just like starts snipping it off. And I'm like, whoa. Weren't you wondering like your bra cups are still down there though? Like I did wonder that. I was a little curious as to what actually was going on. But, um, but I, I, you know, I think for me, like, I, you know, one of the things about this particular series is we have consumed like a lot of Elizabeth Holmes Theranos media mm-hmm. but somehow this one to me still felt like fresh and entertaining and it was yes. easy to watch and I'm like I think it's because we did have more those first three episodes were really focused on that younger version of her so for me I was like buying in to her mission in a way because it was like the the origin story that we knew but we saw it in a different way in this series, I think. There's something to be said about the uh, biopics generally. And I, you know, I have a stance on this uh, and like just kind of generally again, but that's what I was thinking. There's something to be said about the fact that I do feel like I've consumed a lot of Elizabeth Holmes, uh, just content. I listened to the dropout uh, that the podcast that this show is based on. Um, I've read the articles. I've read, you know, all of the things I've, I've been done a deep dive into this, but for some reason, 
when it shows up on screen, I'm not tired of it. Like when we even when you get to episode four and they're, you know, they're siloed from department to department and all that. And you're seeing people get disappeared as they talk about yeah. on the podcast and all of that. Yeah. When you see all this happening, there's no part of me that's like, oh, I already know this story. And it kind of reminds me of the social network where like I know I, I consumed I was on Facebook, you know, like during the time this was all happening. I read all the stuff I knew about you know, the lawsuits and all that stuff going on and still watching it on screen for some reason they did something there was something about the way the story is told and the way the characters are portrayed that the story feels really fresh and not like something that I'm like oh well I already know this unlike another show which I'm sure we'll discuss later <laughs> guys let's take a break and uh, talk some business all right uh, so right now on Patreon, on the Crime Writers on After Show, we're going to talk a little more with our guest, Big Ron, and find out uh, Ronald Young Jr.'s life story. Yes, I can't wait Ooh. to hear unpeel those onion layers. Yeah, and find out a little <laughs> more about his time on Peacock TV. Oh my God, what? Oh. Yeah, well, um, could, we're going to save, save it, it, right, Ron? Save we got to wait. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> say it whatever you want. <laughs> well, I can't all... stand the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go a little more into the true crime update also about Nan Sayed. Yes, can't wait to talk about that some more. Also on Patreon, uh, we have the latest edition of Leave It to Bricker, mm. where Lara goes, well, almost undercover, undercovers. Yeah, as much as she can <laughs> with that loud mouth of hers. Yes, to investigate the new business in her tiny New England town, uh, which I won't say the name, but um, it is a 24-hour massage parlor with blackout curtains. Yeah. Yikes. And uh, one that will not admit women because they're always busy then. Yes. So I think Laura I'm- is actually single-handedly busting a sex trafficking ring in her town. I think no, I, I am. And I'm signing up my friend Mary, who is a guest on that episode of Leave it to Burger. We are thinking of getting a couple's massage together. So that we can go in and find out what's happening before we liberate the women. Oh, I, I know what's happening. Laura is scooping the FBI 100% in this episode of Leave it to Bricker, right? You're that's, screwing up yes, our investigation. That's like seriously, some guys in like jackets with mismatched FBI fonts are going to knock on Laura's door and be like, stop. Five-year-long investigation. <laughs> it's something. not that hard. Today, I learned one of the names. Uh, yes, that's not her real name. Just FYI. Well, yeah. apparently she goes by and she's very popular. All right. So, Kevin, who actually oh. are our Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Sandy Richter. And Anna Davis, bless you. Guys, thank you for being our Patreon patron saints. And Kevin, if people want all of this amazing content on our Patreon, how do they get that? They go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. And thus ends. Thus ends the business section. The business section. I'm going to fade that music out right now. So, Ronald, you mentioned the social network and how this reminds you of the social network. And I'm wondering, is it because of the framing of the legal case around it? Because that is exactly what the social network did. Or is it because it is this inside look at a thing being built and unraveling? Because it is a very different story than the Facebook story, right? Yeah. You know, it's there's something. So when you talk about how Jesse Eisenberg plays Mark Zuckerberg, I think that is the same as what Amanda Seyfried is doing for Elizabeth Holmes, because Amanda Seyfried is playing her as this outcast who is, like you said, like uh, like uh, Kevin was saying, like there was some behavior that felt like 
it, it felt like it might be on the spectrum, but we're, we're not certain. No one confirms and no one says yes or no. But there's be- definitely behavior that makes her feel or seem like an outcast. And she plays into that very well. And because she's capitalizing on that, I think we as viewers are kind of invested in the journey, especially because they start with the stuff that we know. They start with the fact that she is going to she's going to court. Yeah. She's going to get arrested for this. So they're like, hey, there's a here's a deposition, all that stuff going on. And they're like, also, let's tell you the rest of the story about how we got all the way here. And I think there's something about being a a viewer and watching that and saying, I do know how we got here. And I have like a general knowledge, but refresh my memory. And then when they start pointing out detail after detail after detail, and the dramatizations are now like pulling into focus the things that were blurry in the back of our minds about this case, I think that makes it like super engaging. It makes you really want to watch it. I think that's what they're doing very well here. Well, you know, like these kinds of adaptations, what you get from this that you don't get from the dropout podcast or bad blood. I think that was the name of the HBO documentary that we yes. saw um, yes. is that writers can regulate the amount of emotion and what kind of emotion to inject into these characters. And, you know, I guess I'd said that I hadn't seen Elizabeth Holmes as a sympathetic person before this. Yeah. I hadn't seen a, a world in which, her motives were not as nefarious as they were just unrealistically ambitious and getting herself caught in this money trap. At least now we're halfway through it. She probably breaks bad, as they say. <laughs> oh, I think she has where I, we she, are. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Bad. She's broken bad. <laughs> you can't congregate in the lobby without security telling you to move Wild. it along. I don't know. Yeah. That's got to be Sonny's doing, right? That's not Elizabeth's. Style, but in any event, it's a, it's what you can do with this. We and it's done well here. It's done poorly in inventing Anna. Is that you can you can kind of you know amplify the parts of that person's story that will resonate the best, as opposed to when you're just doing journalism, you can't do that shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. really fascinated by and the thing that you know I'm curious about, like the the truth of, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure it came from somewhere. Is the relationship with her and her mother, played by the fantastic Elizabeth, Elizabeth Marvel, Marvel, one of my yeah. favorite actresses, yes. Yes. where the mother is all about the feelings box, right? Like, literally, she's like, put your feelings in the box and put the box under the bed and we shall never discuss Let's it again. quite literally throw it in the dumpster. Including yeah. when uh, Elizabeth is raped at, in college. And, you know, it's like, you know, at that point, she's like, I believe you. And Elizabeth's like, I love you, Mom. And she's like, Okay then, let's say straighten the scarf and and move on. So there's <laughs> that. <laughs> we we see that Elizabeth has something going on with her emotionally, functionally something. We see that she can't run. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> but there's certainly you know some some awkwardness just sort of through her life there and her interactions with other people. But yeah, Kevin, you're right. You you kind of come to understand how somebody perhaps could be convinced that this was possible and maybe not coming at it just from a perspective of like, it's very interesting by the way that her dad worked for Enron Mm, Uh, because like, you know, Ken Lay just fucking bilked people. Right. Right, And Elizabeth Holmes, like you're wondering, you know, I think it's setting up the viewer to real think like, is she just Ken Lay like setting out to bilk people? I don't think we think she set out that way. She set out, she wanted to be an entrepreneur. She wanted to be uh, Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs yeah. <laughs> so I feel that. I don't feel like she like started out to be 
can lay. And, and that's new for me. Um, and speaking of toxic dynamics, Laura, mm. Elizabeth. Wait, what Sunny. a lead into that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. sorry, because, Laura. Because seriously, Laura. <laughs> speaking of evil I, women. Next. I mean, but, but, but speaking, and we were talking about Elizabeth and her mother, but then she has this other relationship with Sonny. Which is fucking weird, right? Yeah, it's it's fucking weird. So, I mean, I was thinking as I was like looking at this relationship that evolves from their meeting in Beijing, where we see her, you know, extremely young, very at that point looking high school, very innocent. They're like riding bikes around and eating food together and, you, you know, having this very odd to me relationship as it evolved, I just felt like it was this sort of like toxic symbiotic dynamic that like they're both tied to each other for their own sort of reasons. But it's like it, it just gets more dysfunctional over the years. You know, they're both outsiders. You know, he is tech entrepreneur millionaire. He's twice her age. We've got her. She's a woman trying to break into like this man's world and white old white men in Silicon Valley. And they like feed off of each other and they're in it together. But it's kind of fucking creepy, especially when like she comes back and like, you know, they're on the phone all the time. And then she even acknowledges it. She's like, why are you talking to me? I'm like, and, and, and that time where she's like, never talk to me again. And then, of course, when the rubber hits the road and she needs help, she calls him. I, I don't know if I would have traded in his like fancy fast car for the Prius, but I mean, power to her. Just going to say there, I, I might have continued to drive the fast car. But I mean, I think that that relationship and that dysfunction and that ongoing enabling of each other continues for years to the point that when she gets to the point where she's really having to keep up this facade with Theranos, he's like that person that is right there to prop her up because of this long, complicated just totally messed up relationship that they have. Ronald, I have a question for you because we don't actually know what happened behind closed doors between Elizabeth and Sonny, right? And we don't mm -hmm. actually know what happened with her in college with her sexual assault, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think of the fictionalization of those relationships? Because I do find myself sometimes like, I mean, I love it. I'm like, show me all of it. Like, I really want to know the Elizabeth and Sonny situation. And I know that there's documentation from people who knew them and were close to them. And, you know, the, the way that it played out where he was like an older mentor to her and then it became sexual, like is super interesting. But we also don't know. And it does feel weird to me that these are real people and especially with a, a real woman seeing her like sexual intimate relationships and her the sexual violence like that was you know that happened to her being portrayed in screen it is weird right in some on some level yeah and it's i i think there's something that like when you think about imagining the kind of the connective tissue when it comes to the stories especially true stories there has to be some emotional truths that kind of ring through and i think this series does a good job of that. Like I, I find myself watching some biopic uh, content and I'll be wondering, did this really happen? Did this really happen? Like there's a scene early where she's dancing in her bedroom and like basically worshiping a poster of Steve Jobs. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm like, come on, man, you know, that didn't happen. Man. Like, and, and I was, I was ready. To, it was like I a was Rihanna ready. poster, right? Yeah. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I was ready to be like, okay, you guys, 
guys are doing the most. But I found <laughs> that like the relationship between the two of them is well, one one thing that they say in the podcast is they say, hey, they were always together. They were inseparable where she was. He was, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think all the series is doing is imagining what the connective tissue looks like when we couldn't see them because we didn't. I don't know if they talked to Elizabeth Holmes or Sonny about their relationship and what they were saying in these private rooms. But again, when it comes to something like the sexual assault, that's when it gave me a little bit of pause because what they're saying is, and we don't know all the details of what happened to her. And I feel like at at one point when they're describing what's happening in front of me, it made me feel like a little bit icky because I said, is this something that is motivating her to do better at Theranos? Are they using that as a plot point, uh, as a plot point or some sort of motivating factor for why she was the way she was at Theranos? Because again, if you see her running on the track looking weird, what I take for that as a viewer is she's a person that doesn't give up. She's going to keep going, even if she's not suited to be a runner. Like that's that's what I'm seeing here. So then you ask, well, what what is this sexual assault supposed to convey except another detail in the story? Right. So it 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 it, it kind of threw me off a little bit there. But I still think that the rest of it, they're bringing all the imaginative connective tissue together. Well, I mean, I'm assuming and I keep in mind, I, I will admit I have not Googled it to look it up and I probably should have. I'm assuming there was an allegation of sexual assault. I can't yes. imagine they would have included it if there wasn't. Yeah. I'm assuming that plays into somehow her feeling comfortable dropping out of college in addition to the entrepreneurial stuff. And I'm assuming that it plays into, I mean, maybe what the assumption is. I mean, and I don't think this is necessarily a fair assumption to make, but it is a fair like armchair, like therapist thing that like maybe it informs her weird relationship with men going forward. That being said, who's to say that wouldn't have happened anyway? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't know. Um, so Kevin, how like how do you feel about the casting of Naveen Andrews as as Sonny? Oh yeah, he was like, hey, that's Syed from uh, Lost. Yeah, hey. <laughs> like not an obvious. Where you been? Place. Yeah, where, you been where has he been? By the way, he's probably been on some CBS shows that I don't watch. I'm just gonna totally say it because. Every time I say I haven't seen someone in forever, it turns out they're like on some CSI franchise thing that I do not watch or something yeah. like. Yep. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> when we see him in like episode one and the way they have him made up, I was like, oh, man, life's been rough. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but now as we get to like episode four and he's like been drinking the, you know, the green, green juice. juice and yeah, you know, yeah, haircut. You know, getting it in uh, one drop at a time that he's looking. Yes. His hair's licked back. He's looking good again. So, but uh, but I I do love sleeping in sleeping bags on his office floor. No one's getting it in. Just saying. He also has like all those Japanese swords. Yeah. Uh, Ah, He's in swords. They're, um, what are they? Uh, Katanas. Katanas. Katanas, (laughs) So the character itself is is kind of odd, but I I think that he does a, a good job of bringing him to life and it kind of makes you wonder like we, the thing that I took away from you know the the podcast was oh he was this businessman but uh people really didn't know that they were getting it on with each other they just thought they were together you know uh like he was her man friday but i think it kind of plays with different ways about how that relationship might have been First of all, the age difference, it kind of, you know, the armchair psychologist says, you know, when you get into a relationship with somebody that wide of an age gap, it's because you are insecure with your peers romantically. So I don't know. That's just I'm not 
saying that's she doesn't relate the to blanket her peers, statement. That's for sure. She doesn't relate to her peers. At all. They are an odd match, but is it that she is hanging on to him because she doesn't? She needs advice and she needs uh, a mentor very badly. He seems to also be very kind of possessive and controlling of her in that kind of way. So, like, there's a lot of ways of explaining why they were attached at the hip at the office like that because of all these other things going on. Anyway, I think it's just it's a great supporting performance. But that's like her target demographic, right? Like older men. Like we see that over well, and over, yeah. and over seems again. That way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the deal, Laura? Like all these older men are like. I mean, keep in mind. Like, I mean, there's a few things going on here. One is the tech bubble, like sort of the the rise of tech, and we see it with uh, Dr. J from Walgreens. Doctor <laughs> J. Doctor J is Down Rock. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That, that was Laura's name. But such me. a well played idiot. <laughs> I know. Laura said, "You know, Doctor J from Walgreens, not not the NBA." is an idiot. That was yeah. Laura's name. I'm like, thanks, Laura. It's very elucidating. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's her target market. Every older white mm-hmm. guy or every older guy she meets is just like, okay. Like, yeah. That's some money. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. it but this is the rise of the tech and it's yeah. also because she's a woman doing it and it, there seems but, to be something special, right? Well, yeah, I think because she's like this young, idealistic woman, it's like, to me, as I was watching this, particularly with the guy with the cowboy hat, like, you know, I felt like it's like there's something about her being almost like this daughter figure to some of these guys, you know, and then she learns how to like play into their egos, but saves your job by doing that. You're talking about Don Lucas, Don Lucas, the guy who doesn't meet with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But right. She turns on the waterworks before she's about to get canned and that saves, that saves her, her high. I was not expecting that to save her. Yeah. But my favorite one was the guy with that Larry Allison, the investor guy that's out on the boat. And she's going, (laughs) get the fucking money. Get the fucking money. DTFM. Get the fucking money. Get the fucking money. Do you get the fucking money? And then, and like the the precursor to that is when she throws off the life vest. I'm like, oh, she's gonna get crazy now. She's taking off the life vest. <laughs> like, stand back. You, you think know? she runs funny? What do you see her swim? She's <laughs> <laughs> going um, in a circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I think that was so interesting because the people that you do see try to shut her down are the uh, female professor at Sanford who's like, yeah, just be a college student. Like, don't, and she's just like, fuck you. I'm not going to do what you say. And then the woman who comes over from Apple is like, mm, yeah, you shouldn't be doing it. So by the way, the women are all right. They're all right. The, yeah. the women the are record. all right. <laughs> the women are all right is what I'm saying. And and these men are just like, you know. They know better. That's the thing. They you should can know see better, they all then, know better. And then they go, oh, gave up her 50,000 Apple shares to go. Oh, oh geez. They come to that crazy finale where the three are singing that ridiculous freaking blood song. Oh, oh my God. That was so wild. cringeworthy. Do you guys remember? Ronald, like about blood. Ronald, you weren't here. You know. But when we unveiled our new Crime Writers on theme song, Kevin spontaneously made up lyrics to it that were terrible. I love that it. That was better than the what I like about blood karaoke scene that we I mean, he, that, that, that guy, I don't know who the actor's name, but he crushed it because I felt I felt a body cringe as he started like moving his head and oh, like, yeah. like singing the song. I was like, this is uh, 
wild. I, I did want to mention, though, we mentioned Phyllis Fletcher, who was uh, the uh, lady that uh, Elizabeth Holmes talked to first uh, about trying to get her work. Uh, right. Work yeah. Yeah. In, like sponsored or whatever. And I remember I was sitting there watching. I was like, I, the, this is here. Uh, because this is her supervillain turn. This yeah. is when Elizabeth Holmes becomes the supervillain <laughs> that we expected because of this conversation. Because I'm sitting there, and and y- y'all are both right. The women in this in this movie are right in what they are saying to Elizabeth Holmes. But Phyllis Fletcher was kind of a jerk about it. Yes, like she was really a jerk about it. I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, you ain't got to say it like that. She's just like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Your idea is stupid. You're a sophomore, and it was like it was both like uh, being condescending, but also belittling her. Yes, and she's was, also I'm supposed just, to be a teacher, right? Yeah. Like, do some like, fucking nurturing, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out The Dropout? Laura Brooker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Dropout? Um, I'm going with thumbs up. I I thought this was really interesting. I said earlier during the review, we've watched and listened to a lot about Elizabeth Holmes, but this was fresh. It was entertaining. It was easy to watch. We get a lot more of the origin story. By the way, um, I love the soundtrack and the music choices throughout this. They were fantastic. What a lot and of They spent a lot of money on music yeah. for this thing. <laughs> Not that I good. was like <laughs> dancing away. And I was like, anytime somebody's in their car listening to music, I'm like, yeah, I can get behind this. Um, but I think what this did to me is this humanized uh, Elizabeth Holmes in a different way where almost like I talked about when we did... Um, the uh, Anna Delvey uh, show, I did find myself impressed by her ambition in this male dominated world. I'm, you know, I don't agree with all the things that she did, especially when she like, you know, took advantage of these people, cancer patients uh, in her trial. But there was something when you see this origin story, we do find yourself sympathizing with her in a way that like I maybe did not in the past. So I, you know, it's really interesting. I can't wait to watch the next episode and I would recommend it. Ronald Young Jr., thumbs up or thumbs down for The Dropout? I uh, give a thumbs up. And I want to echo a couple things uh, Laura said. I think there's one thing that gets me is that I feel like most people in Silicon Valley are scammers. Uh, but if you are a man, it's like you have more of a runway to scam. Mm. So and, and where you have more time to make your idea legitimate. And so maybe uh, Elizabeth Holmes is subject to more scrutiny, not just because she was bad at business. I mean, there's obvious things she did wrong, but maybe there were more questions being asked of her because she was a woman, which feels like I'm like, if they're scammers, they're all scammers. Just go after them. That being said, the series is I mean, it's fantastic. They're doing a good job of telling the story. I think it's again, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about the social network when I watch this, uh, which I'll probably now watch again because of Same. this. Uh, <laughs> but but watching this, it just it's 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 well presented. It's well cast. Everyone that shows up on screen, I'm enjoying. We didn't even really talk about Stephen Fry as Ian yes. Gibbons, which was I mean, he's doing a fantastic job. There was a time in there I was like, well, give this guy an Oscar for television as well. Like, <laughs> all of these things, like all of these guys coming together, um, even even talking about uh, James Harioko Lyle, Lau, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I know I messed that up. Please forgive me as Edmund Koo and uh, Utkash Umbakar as Rakesh. Like, so many great castings in here. I think if, I mean, if you're looking for something to watch, this is it right now. Like, it, it, it's good. There's no euphoria. Insecure is done. Like, come on over watch this 
and Abbott Elementary, but also watch this. Oh, Abbott Elementary. Oh, yes. Yeah. Abbott Elementary. But don't forget Bill Irwin as Channing Robertson, a.k.a. Bill Mr. Irwin, Noodle. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dude, Sam Waterston is George Schultz. Yes. yes. Yeah. He shows up. Yes. Again, over and over. These great castings it show up. It is the like, hey, wow. it's that guy. Oh, my God. Yes. It's the prestige TV mashup. Uh, we yes. like didn't know we wanted, but actually even the did. dad, the dad is from Mr. Robot. It's incredible. Uh, he's yeah. He was God, also yeah, yeah. in. Uh, he was the president, first president from. Um, Not scandal, but uh, no. Uh, House, oh, of House of Cards. Oh, yeah. House of Cards. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That All guy. Right. Every time he shows up, he has this mini gravitas that comes with him. <laughs> I don't understand why. All right, go ahead. Go About ahead. to be impeached, gravitas. <laughs> yeah. Kevin exactly. Flynn, thumbs up or thumbs down for the dropout? Yeah, I'm a thumbs up. Um, I, this is just the latest in the series of the bloodless true crime, true con wave of stuff that we've uh, we've seen plus we're at the point now where a lot of the uh, original true crime podcast IP is getting turned around into movies and series and things like that so we're going to be doing a lot more of comparing titles with their source material this does it very well I love the casting Amanda Seyfried is just fantastic and she will definitely get an Emmy nomination or as Ron calls it the um the Oscars for television. For <laughs> 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 the Golden Globe. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk no. about those, no? no? no. no. Those are dead. <laughs> those are dead to us now. Uh, besides, you can't even watch it on TV if you no, wanted to. You wouldn't want to. Correct. So, as you shouldn't be able as to. As you shouldn't Sorry. be able to. But anyway, this is. I think this is a really great ab- adaptation, and I think the thing that it, it adds that the, the journalism ones cannot is that it adds the emotion that really makes it a more compelling human story as well as a, as a con. So thumbs up. So, yeah, I'm a huge thumbs up too. listen without Amanda Seyfried and a performance like the one she's giving. This could have been real bad. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm going to agree with everything all of you said, especially Ron's comparison to the social network, which is for me, the social network is one of like five movies that I give a perfect 10 to like that movie is um, amazing it's an incredible incredible film and this captures a lot of that vibe around that time in the early 2000s and something else you said ron really like struck me is that everyone in silicon valley is a scammer that men get more time to scam but you know what also men get is they get the chance to fail again and again Correct. and again they get a chance to fail up fail sideways Correct. they start something it fails they get the money to start something else Correct. Elizabeth Holmes knew she had one, one chance, right? Like she knew it. Everyone knew it. So she had to get everyone on her board. Like I'm going to stack my board with everyone. So, yeah, I mean, her idea was stupid. It wasn't going to work. But she also knew she had the one, only one shot. So it kind of makes sense. And I really, really think this series captures that in a way that like a poorly made one wouldn't so anyway i find it like highly feminist in addition to being really well made um and really fun to watch so big thumbs up for me for the dropout wasn't expecting to like it as much as i do but i love it and now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast a little something i like to call the crime Crime of of the week the week As if the state of the world couldn't get any worse, in Japan, a thousand-year-old evil spirit may have been released after the volcanic rock it's been housed in split in two. That's very bad. 
It's very bad. <laughs> Known as the Killing Stone, the historical landmark is located outside of Tokyo near Sulfurous Hot Springs. Legend has it that the Sesho Seki contains the dark spirit of a woman who plotted to kill the emperor in the 12th century. When attacked, she turns into an evil fox with nine tails. Locals discovered to their horror last month the Killing Stone had split in half. Some notice the cracks have appeared in the rock for many years and rainwater may have caused the fracture. Still, others believe the dark spirit has arisen and been unleashed into a chaotic world, which we say kind of tracks. So, panel, now that she's free, what is this thousand-year-old nine-tailed fox demon going to do? Lara Bricker, what do you think? Oh, God. Um, I I feel like um, there's so many possibilities, but... I mean, look at the world right now. I think she's everywhere, honestly. I mean, maybe she's <laughs> maybe she's coming to Exeter to help me bust open the bleep yeah. spot. <laughs> Ronald Young Jr., what do you think a thousand-year-old nine-tailed fox demon is going to do in today's world? Whatever she's going to do, she's going to do it walking because these gas prices are high. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Kevin Flynn? Uh, She's going to be on the Joe Rogan show. Uh, She's going to talk about how she's been doing her own research. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, that's probably going to do it for us. Before we go, Kevin Flynn. Do we have a cat of the week this week? No, we have a dog of the week and we're saluting Buddy. Lara's dog, Buddy. She doesn't know we've taken over her segment, but sorry, Lara. Buddy had been with us for a long time. She, Buddy was an original cast member an here OG at Crime cast Writers On. Of Crime Writers On, and mm-hmm. uh, he lived a good long life. Uh, I will was, say, Lara Bricker was very reluctant to embrace Buddy. Everybody knows Lara as the cat lady, but she had a big place in her heart for her dog, Buddy, too. Yes. Oh, thank you, Kevin. So I'll tell you, so Buddy uh, was a golden retriever and he was 11. Uh, It's very common with golden retrievers that they get cancer. I found out like not even a week ago that he had cancer. And I was like, well, we've we've got a little time. And then it just progressed very quickly. So um, we were very sad to see Buddy go. Um, the cats um, tormented Buddy a lot and he was always very tolerant of them. Like uh, Pippin, the wonder terror kitten, uh, attacked his tail on a quite regular basis and Buddy never snapped at him. He was just such a gentle, kind dog. So, Well, yeah. maybe Buddy will team up with a thousand-year-old nine-tailed fox <laughs> demon yeah. and <laughs> cause havoc around the world. That would be amazing. Talk about a Buddy comedy. All right, yeah. Laura Bricker, if folks want to send their condolences to you about poor Buddy or maybe yeah. send suggestions for pets to be future cats or dogs of the week to cheer you up, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And Ronald Young Jr., if folks want to find you online, what is your handle all over the internet? It's my favorite. You can find me at Oh, It's Big Ron. That's at O H I T S B I G R O N. Kevin Flynn, if folks want to find you, how can they do that? I'm at Big Kevin. No, I'm not. It's just, it's just Kevin B. You should Flynn. grab the Oh, It's Big Kevin, man. You oh, should I should see it. if that's available. Yeah. No, you're just stealing it from Ron. No. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our community in our crazy, amazing official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast 
Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we wear black turtlenecks and practice making our voices very deep. (laughs) On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. If I look really fast, it looks like it says, oh, shit, Big Ron. If I like yes. look really fast, yeah. you're, I'm like, because I just went <laughs> I've heard this complaint complain, complain okay. before. <laughs> okay. Okay.